Welcome into Hidden Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, we'll look at the rest of the Falcons draft, where the Falcons stand in the division, and when do the apologies start coming? It's all next. It's Hidden Hard with John Chuckery, Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hidden Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. We ask you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast. and get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. And then give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. So the Falcons draft is in the books. We talked a lot about... B. John Robinson in the pick for number eight uh, in the first round of the draft on Friday's show, as that was in the books. Um, look, as I said, I love the player. I don't love the position, but it is what it is at this point. Um, obviously, he's a very special offensive player. When you look through the rest of the draft for the Atlanta Falcons, start with Matthew Bergeron. Second round pick uh, out of... Um, uh, second round pick out of Syracuse. Uh, he was actually up in Canada. He's from Canada, and he was up there uh, when they were interviewing him. But um, he's a mountain of a man. He's six foot five. Said he's gotten up to three hundred and twenty two pounds. He was listed about three eighteen, but he said he ate a whole bunch of chicken wings and got himself up to three hundred twenty two pounds. What's interesting about Bergeron is that he's going to be a guy that's going to get a shot to compete for the inside left guard position. Now, he's mostly been a tackle at Syracuse, but he did say that he's been working at left guard in the, at the Senior Bowl. That was one of the things that he was kicking inside in the Senior Bowl. Now, again, he's a six foot five, 300-plus pound, pound guy, <coughs> big mountain of a man, but they're going to give him probably a shot to at least compete for the left guard spot. So again, Hennessy, Bergeron, Hinton, Mayfield, you know, there's a, you know, Schaefer, if you want to look at that, <clears throat> there's a plethora of guys that are going to get that shot to try to nail down and win that left starting guard position. So I don't know, you know, in all honesty, I, I hope this is not a situation where, they do like they did with Jalen Mayfield where he's played mostly tackle and you just shove him on the inside and hope for the best. But Bergeron has been working at that position and he will certainly get a shot to start for this team by the time offseason workouts and camp and everything comes along. Um, the one draft pick that I really do like, and, and we'll skip over for just a second with the third round pick, but Clark Phillips the third. This was a this is a uh, a really good cornerback out of Utah. Um, he's not the most physical guy, right? I think he's only five foot nine, hundred eighty some pounds, but he plays physical. He's got really good ball skills. He was a Thorpe Award uh, finalist for the best uh, defensive back in the country. There's a lot to like about Clark Phillips. He outplays his size, right? He's one of those guys that plays bigger than what he is. And he obviously is not what he's, he is willing 
to stick his nose in where the ball is. So he's a ball, he's he is a ball dominant kind of corner, but I really like that pick in the fourth round. That's a guy that you got in the fourth round that could potentially start for this team. Now, again, whether or not he starts or not with Jeff Okuda, with Mike Hughes, what have you, there are certainly several options that are out there. But if you need Clark Phillips, if for some reason somebody gets hurt, you've got injuries you're dealing with, what have you, or if he just plays really well, he's a guy that could start for this team. So that that was a really, really good pick in the fourth round. Zach Harrison, the uh, defensive edge player out of Ohio State, you know, he's going to be a guy that is a rotational pass rush guy, right? Had a really good um, peach bowl against the University of Georgia, played really well against Georgia. He's been a two and a half to three and a half sack guy in his four years. So not huge production, but he's part, he could be part of a rotation of guys. So again, I'm not counting on Zach Harrison to come in here and figure out seven or eight sacks for this team, right? I mean, yeah, that would be awesome if he does, but it would certainly be unexpected uh, for him. So I, I don't have a lot of anticipation. You're talking about probably a 15, 20 snap guy when all is said and done for Zach Harrison. So he'll get a chance to do some things, maybe be a specialist on pass rush. But again, I don't expect a whole lot of playing time from uh, Zach Harrison, but he's certainly, you know, he's been a, a team captain for Ohio State. He's certainly one of those guys that fits the mold of what the Falcons want to do. Then the last couple of draft picks, um, uh, DeMarco Helams uh, 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 and uh, Jovan Gwynn. Um, you know, again, here we are, seventh round picks uh, in there. Gwynn's a guy who's interested. He was, you know, a, a high prospect coming out of high school, played at South Carolina. Okay, uh, again, this is like Justin Schaefer, right? These, This kind of kid is somebody who's maybe going to be in the rotation, maybe a practice squad player. Maybe he gets a chance, whatever like that. Again, when you're talking about seventh round picks, I, I don't really know what to, I don't really know how much to really feed into all of that kind of stuff. Um, the defensive back, Elam's is a special teams player, right? So, I mean, he's a guy that can play on special teams. That's what you're looking for when you're getting into the seventh round of a draft. So <clears throat> I thought overall the Falcons did pretty good. Um, obviously they had traded up in the second round of the draft. So they had given up, given up one of their fourth round picks. They had two fourth round picks that they gave up. They had 38 and a fourth round. I think it was 110. They gave those up, or sorry, 44 and 110. They gave those two picks up to go up to 38 and grab Bergeron. So all in all, I thought the Falcons did pretty good. Did they address all of their needs or did they make this big kind of splash or did they go out, you know, did they have a really outstanding draft and, they have all these Pro Bowl caliber personnel. I don't know. I mean, again, you know, listen, the whole draft will be surrounded around B. John Robinson in the impact that he can give, right? I mean, that that's what this comes down to is can B. John Robinson be an impact player for the Atlanta Falcons? And obviously now they have lots of offensive personnel with Pitts and London and Bijan and Algier and, you know, John U. Smith and, they have all of these offensive personnel, okay? Are we going to average 30 points a game offensively? Is this going to be one of the elite offenses in the NFL? I don't know. Here's what I know about Arthur Smith. He's really good 
at developing young running backs, right? He developed Derrick Henry, who was a second-round pick. He wasn't a first-round pick, into an elite running back. He's developed Tyler Algier into a 1,000-yard running back in his rookie year. So I know Arthur Smith can develop running backs in a good running scheme and a good running system. I'm, I feel confident about that. But again, are we going to be an elite offense? Well, we certainly have personnel that if it does come together, but again, I'll say, you know, this is time for Kyle Pitts to not just have a thousand twenty-six yards and three touchdowns. This is time for him to be Travis Kelsey. Okay. This is time for if, if B. John Robinson is going to be that dude, B. John Robinson to make a real impact. Again, I'm not saying in his rookie year, but as a 1500 yard running back. That's what you draft him. I mean, Todd Gurley-esque, right? Todd Gurley was the offensive player of the year. What, three years after he was drafted? He was the rookie of the offensive rookie of the year. And then two, three years later, he was the offensive player of the year. That's what you draft those guys at six, eight, whatever. When you draft a running back in the top 10, that's the kind of production that you expect out of all of this. But this draft will be all about what Bijan Robinson does at the end of the day. This draft will be all focused around Bijan Robinson, and then everything else that you get will be kind of ancillary to it. Because again, you've spent $180 million in free agency and things like that. And we'll talk about the division here in just a second. But, you know, you obviously have a very young core of offensive people from your quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends. <coughs> you have a very young core that you're working with. Now let's hope that it all comes together. And again, they become this elite offense that we think that they can. All right, let's talk about our friends over at FanDuel. Listen, FanDuel is America's number one sports book, and we are neck deep into Major League Baseball season. Obviously, the Braves got washed out and rained out, and they had a doubleheader scheduled for Saturday and then couldn't do that, and they got a doubleheader scheduled for today, this afternoon. So, listen, if you're a new customer to FanDuel.com, you can go there right now and claim your no-sweat first bet where you can get as much as $1,000 in, in, in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win, you go to fanduel.com slash locked on, fanduel.com slash L O C K E D O N, and claim your no sweat first bet where it's a thousand dollars in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. So, Fanduel allows you to bet on everything from winners to props to how many home runs Aaron Judge is going to hit, but you can sign up at fanduel.com slash locked on. That's fanduel dot com slash locked on to claim that no sweat first bet and if your first bet doesn't win you can get as much as a thousand dollars in bonus bets simply when you sign up today a new customer at fanduel.com slash locked on fanduel is the official partner of major league baseball so now where do the falcons stand within the division where do they stand as far as okay are they the favorites or this or that if you look at the Vegas betting lines, they're not the favorites, okay? So they're still they're still actually behind Carolina, the Saints, Tampa. So, I mean, they're still, you know, behind all of those teams from a betting perspective. Have the Falcons done enough to, won the to win the division? Sure. Because I don't think that there is one move within the NFC South that you could point to that says that that is going to be the ultimate difference maker, right? So, again, Bryce Young 
is obviously the number one pick in the draft, and he's going to Carolina, and there's going to be lots of expectations. But again, when you're talking about a rookie quarterback, you know, this could be boom or bust or things like that. I, I love Bryce Young. I think he's going to be a really, really good player. But every anything can happen when you're a rookie quarterback, right? You know, as far as Derek Carr goes, I, I, I've said before on this show, I think Derek Carr's a loser. I, I don't I don't think that he's a guy that transforms your franchise and, and wins you a whole bunch of games and wins you divisions and things like that. He was a one-time playoff guy. And yes, he did break his leg years ago when, you know, they had that team that had Cleo Mack and <coughs> had Amari Cooper and guys like that. And they were a really good team. And they had to play Connor Cook in the playoffs. But other than the one time that he was in the playoffs, he hasn't done anything for the Raiders franchise. So, then you go over to Tampa Bay, Baker Mayfield. Okay. I saw Baker Mayfield and what he did in Cleveland. He couldn't take a team that was Super Bowl ready and get them over the hump. In fact, the Browns all but begged him, begged him to take their money. They were all in on Baker Mayfield, and he could not play well enough to take their money. So again, when I look across the landscape of the NFC South, I say the Falcons have just as good a shot as anybody to win this division. I don't, I don't think anybody has done anything outstanding. I mean, if you look at the drafts, I do like Kalija Kansi. You know, I, I think that he's a good pick for the uh, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in, in what they do. Um, you know, obviously Carolina, they got their hands on um, – you know, they got their hands on Bryce Young trading up in the draft and everything. So, look, when I look at the drafts, when I look at what the different things are gone, free agency, restructuring contracts, guys that you signed, okay. I mean, there's there's nothing to me that says that there is one game-changing move. Like Aaron Rodgers didn't come into the division, right? We, we didn't see, you know, again, maybe a, a dominant head coach come in the division. So I say to myself, self, the Falcons can win this division just as easily as anybody else can. It's one of those situations where I look at this and say, the Falcons could finish first, second, third, fourth in this division, because I think everybody is going to be right around the same kind of area. (coughs) I don't know if one team is going to necessarily break out of the division. I certainly think that the Falcons need to be over 500 even if they don't win the division, I think that for Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot's sake, that they need to turn the corner and get themselves above the 500 mark, be at least nine and eight. But I say, why can't the Falcons win the division? There hasn't been a dominant move within the division that just instantly tells me that. And even with Bryce Young and things like that. Yeah, I understand that there's talent that's come in to this division but even with that I, I i look and say okay you know these teams are all kind of you know they've been for the last two years right you know the fact the reason the falcons have hung in as long as they did in the division is because the division hasn't been very good but even with the guys that have come in to the division they certainly haven't there certainly hasn't been one guy that is just a dynamic game-changing okay, now this team is a lock to win the division. If anything, it's been the subtractions from the division that when it's Tom Brady, 
you know, when it's guys like that that leave the division, okay, that opens up things even more. So, again, losing Tom Brady brings everybody else to the pack. So, can the Falcons win the division? Sure. Things have to go right. You have to protect home field advantage. They were certainly a better home team last year than they've been in, in the years past. Protect home field advantage. The schedule isn't completely rugged and tough and things like that. So figure out a way to win your divisional games, protect home field advantage. You know, Desmond Ritter's got to step up. He's got to play better. I mean, he's obviously, you know, a, a work in progress, having just the four games, but you saw improvement every single game. Every game he got better. I think, I think by the time in his first start to his fourth start last year, he got himself better. So if you can keep that kind of progress and momentum <coughs> going, then why not? Why why can't the Falcons win the division when all is said and done? So again, I think they're right there in the mix. I don't think that there's any moves that I, any team in that division has done that blows me away and says, okay, that's the clear-cut favorite. But also, too, all, all of these teams have found a way to get themselves better whether it's through free agency, whether it's through the draft. I certainly think that this has become a better, more competitive division overall. All right, we thank you so much for making Hitting Hard with John Chuck for your first listen. Make sure that when you go in and listen to the show, you let us know that you are an everyday listener to us. So we call them our everyday or so. We thank you so much for being a part of our community and obviously leaving us a comment to let us know that you do listen in every day. We thank you for being an everydayer, as we like to say. So when do the apologies come for the Atlanta Falcons? So obviously we saw, I guess it was a week ago or so, that Lamar Jackson, let me see, where did he go? Oh, oh yeah, he signed back with the Baltimore Ravens. Where, where did we say consistently on this show and a lot of people said the same thing that, let's see, where would he sound? Oh, yeah, with, with the Baltimore Ravens, okay? So at the end of the day, all of this hoopla, Michigas, nonsense, bunk, bull, malarkey, and that's not a law firm, all of this stuff that transpired, at the end of the day, he ended, and, and all this, oh, I want to be traded, and I'm disenfranchised, and I don't want to be with ball. All of this nonsense that we heard. And that's what it was, nonsense that we heard. At the end of the day, he signed right back with the Ravens. And the Ravens made him the highest paid per year quarterback in the NFL. <coughs> what was it? $52.2 million a year or something like that. Got the highest average annual value for a quarterback. He got, what, $185 million guaranteed of money. So through all of this process that the Falcons got beat up the joy Taylors of the world, you know, pundits across the national landscape. Well, why aren't the Falcons pursuing Lamar Jackson? Well, because at the end of the day, the Baltimore Ravens were always going to make him the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. And they had all the power. So to joy Taylor and everybody else, when do you start apologizing to the Atlanta Falcons that they were not in the business of Lamar Jackson because he was always going to end up with the Baltimore Ravens? 
he wasn't going to move for the Baltimore Ravens. Either he was going to be in Baltimore or he was going to sit out the year. They weren't going to trade him. They weren't, they were going to cut the legs off of any deal that somebody's. So even if let's say, let's say if the Falcons had come in and said that we're going to give him $50 million a year, which is per year less than what he ended up getting. Well, let's say $50 million a year and 180 million guaranteed. Okay. The Ravens would have gone in and said, yep, we're going to match that offer. And there you go. And either he was going to be a Baltimore Raven or he was going to sit out the year. So was he going to give up $52 million, $185 million guaranteed or whatever? No, of course not. Of course not. So when do we start to get the apologies? I, I, I haven't heard anything from Joy Tate. I haven't heard anything from the national media, the Colin Cow turds and the Jason McIntyres and all that kind of stuff that were just beside themselves about the idea of, oh, well, they weren't going after Lamar. They've got Desmond Ritter at quarterback. Why would they not go after Lamar? Because nobody was going to get their hands on Lamar. Nobody was going to get their hands on Lamar Jackson. He was never going to move. And this is obvious now. They they made him the highest paid per average annual value quarterback in the entirety of the NFL. He got the biggest contract. He didn't get the most guaranteed money, but again, he got $185 million guaranteed, even though he wanted <coughs> Deshaun Watson guaranteed money. He didn't get that. He had to settle for $185 million. But he's a, what, 52 or whatever, somewhere 52, $53 million a year quarterback now. Highest paid quarterback per year of anybody in the NFL. So what were what exactly were the Ravens going to do and just let him walk away? You could do all of this legwork. I make a trade package. I get a contract negotiated and all this, that, and the other just for the Ravens to come in and say, we're going to blow all of that up and we're going to give him this contract. All you were going to do if you were the Falcons was let the Ravens set the marketplace for what his value is. So I'm expecting Joy Taylor, Callan Cowturd, all of these pundits, all of these nudnik know-it-alls to come in here and apologize to the Atlanta Falcons that they were never going to be in the mix. Even if the Falcons, and they, and they obviously talked exploratory about the idea of bringing Lamar Jackson in because you have those conversations, right? But they were, listen, as far as the Deshaun Watson thing goes, Deshaun Watson was going to, okay, there was no question about the idea that he was not going to play for the Houston Texans, okay? He was going to play for anybody besides the Houston Texans. So that's part of the reason you got in on that conversation is because you knew that he was not going to be a Houston Texan. In the case of Lamar Jackson, he was always going to be a Baltimore Raven. He was always going to end up in Baltimore. This was no surprise to anybody. <clears throat> I would dare say that even the pundits, when they got on, said to themselves, self, that he was going to be a Baltimore Raven when all was said and done. But I want to see if 
we can get Joy Taylor and all these other pundits to come in and apologize to the Atlanta Falcons because they were never in the mix for anything. You you can claim that you were going after Lamar and all this kind of stuff and, and blah, 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 blah. And he ended up right back in the same place, even though he asks to be traded and all this kind of stuff. It's amazing how $260 million will all of a sudden make you a, a guy who wants to stay with his team. So there was a lot of nonsense in this whole Lamar fiasco and drama and everything along with it. And he ended up right back in the same spot that he was signing the highest average annual value contract in the history of quarterbacks in the NFL. And through all of this other nonsense and things like that, the only thing that the Falcons would have done is help the Baltimore Ravens. They weren't going to ever get their hands on Lamar Jackson. He was never going to leave that organization. He was either going to sit himself out and sit on the sidelines and not play for a year or two, because again, you can franchise a guy for another year. And he ended up signing a big con time contract and he's in the same place that he was. So I'm hoping that we can get Joy Taylor among others and things like that to hand out the apologies to the Atlanta Falcons because they were never, even if they wanted Lamar Jackson, they were never going to get their hands on it. But again, you know, those little factoids that just get left out in the discussion of these kinds of things. <clears throat> All right, well, thank you so much for making Hitting Hard with John Chuckery your first listen in every day. Make sure when you listen into the podcast that you head to the comment section and let us know that you are an everyday listener to the show, as we like to call them every day or so. Leave us a comment that you do listen in every day. We thank you so much for being a part of our ever-growing community. And we ask you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast. You can get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. And then give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. Back with you tomorrow. This has been Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked on Sports Atlanta. 